All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of the Quality Control Show, the show where we review um, various shows and movies and assess their quality, the occasional video game if Zach ever finishes one. <laughs> and as usual, it's your host, Solomon and Zach. Zach, what are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about Dune, the new movie by Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> we had to look it up. De- Denis Villeneuve. 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 <laughs> however him, you say his name look we'll call him denis <laughs> the uh, great we'll, director we'll call him big d big d big d came in with another banger of a movie with dune <laughs> yeah it's amazing <laughs> it really is it feels so good to get some good sci-fi with a good budget stunning visuals a compelling story banger cast awesome great. soundtrack yeah everything made sense mm-hmm. for the most part yeah and like so we approach this movie with a very unique perspective because Zach's read the book, Dune, whereas I have not. So we kind of got both perspectives from mm-hmm. people who maybe aren't familiar with the series and people, we don't know the deep lore yeah. and that Zach knows like everything. So I don't know everything, but I know a good amount. He's the lore master. He's going to be steering the ship tonight because we got all these houses and plans <laughs> and assassination mosquitoes flying around. So we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, so the, for anyone, I guess, who doesn't know, this is an adaptation of a book written in the 50s, I think. 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's old. Yeah. And I think it's it's so interesting to me to see how like ideas from that book have kind of translated into other media and how it can kind of come off as like we've seen this before mm-hmm. in a way yeah. because everything else has done it but this was the first basically to do grand sci-fi on this scale i saw a thing that was talking about how like dune was basically the progenitor of like the galactic empire that you see in like star wars and stuff yeah you know like it was kind of the first one and like one thing that i think is interesting is you get this was written so long ago but i really feel like retro sci-fi stands the test of time you know yeah for sure yeah <clears throat> i think people just find it interesting mm-hmm. no matter like it's because it's under a different framework than something like star wars right or something similar so people just like sci-fi so yeah. any sci-fi that they can get exactly it's gonna be awesome which that's how we feel exactly we loved seeing it even if this we, yeah even we didn't if this even grow mo- up with something like this mm-hmm. even if this movie didn't have like a great story or acting the visuals alone in this movie like the sci-fi concepts that oh yes it's beautifully done like there, like basically every shot took my breath away. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, just really great stuff. Uh, one of the things that I was worried about that I was talking about with Solomon before we got into this, into watching the movie, since I've read the book, I know that it's pretty dense with like a lot of different concepts and like what he was saying with like the houses and there's like there's like a power system. There's a ton of there's the shield system. Yeah. There's how everything's interconnecting, and I was like, well, I don't really know how they're gonna do it. And like make it all fit into this movie. And then we realize it's a part one. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Very smart. <laughs> yeah. There's a ton of stuff to go through. And um I I just thought it was really funny too, because like as some like someone like Zach who knows like everything that's going on, he I could see him like stressing about like something would happen and he would be like, Did Solomon understand <laughs> like what that was or what's going on? Yeah. And Honestly, the movie does a really good job of like kind of hitting that middle ground where th- there's no, I don't think in a two hour movie or two and a half hour movie, 
I don't think they can break down like the deep lore of everything in there, but like you get an idea of what you basically, happening. yeah, you they give you the the highlights of what's going on. Yeah, like not, not in, a bad sense. Like of you can, but you can infer. Like I always felt like I knew enough, and like if I wanted to, Zach could like break it down a little bit more for me. But really, I as someone who hasn't read the books, I got the idea of what was happening, mm-hmm. and so I think that's something it does very well. I think, like that's one of the things I appreciate about this movie is. I feel like it could have been really bogged down with explaining everything. Like, mm-hmm. for example, the Mintats, which yeah. which are the human calculators or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, their eyes roll back in their head and they start doing math. Yeah. No no one explained that. It kind of just, just happened. Did it. Like, you, you get a shot of someone's eyes rolling in the back of their head and then you're just like, oh, he's doing quick math. Like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And that's, one, that's just like a quick example of they didn't have to explain it and I think everyone got it. Yeah, like they didn't ever really discuss it, but you see this guy's eyes roll in the back of his head and he breaks down some kind of calculation or some information. I'm like, okay, he he went to the mainframe or something and retrieved this information and yeah. I kind of I kind of understand what's happening with it. Yeah, I think that's my biggest pro. Also that it stuck to the book really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it skips some stuff obviously, it cuts some stuff out, which I think is okay. Um, because it stuck to the book pretty one for one and how everything goes it didn't cut like anything like super like super major out well there's some stuff probably a lot of like development developmental stuff yeah developmental stuff and a lot of the plot stuff was kind of just hurried along yeah but we can talk about that as we talk about the movie um but yeah we're getting into dune right now yeah it's it really is amazing so like even like the starting setting of the movie is incredible on Caladan on Caladan. Oh, it's so cool. And so you get to meet house Atreides Uh and it is so badass. So the concept, the idea is like, there's this, I'm going to try to explain it. And if I fuck anything up, yeah, I got you. I got your back. So essentially there's this big galactic empire comprised of like the emperor and then all of these other houses. Mm -hmm. So there's the planet, um, Oh, what's the name of the planet? The desert planet, Arrakis. Arrakis. So Ara- or Dune. They call it Dune. Okay, I was thinking Dune. I was like, that's is that okay? So <laughs> Dune, the, Arrakis. Um, it's got this. It's got this. Um, is it like a mineral on it? Basically, it's yeah. basically like a mineral in the sand that is known as spice. Now, this spice is like the secret sauce of the empire, mm-hmm. and so it's like a heavy hallucinogenic. It's. Uh, highly addictive to the point where if you like, have withdrawals you'll die but more more importantly it's like how the empire genetically modifies its people to do specific jobs and on top of that it's like the only way that like navigators can facilitate interstellar travel because they cannot map like the galactic star charts in their frontal lobe without the spice right see the interesting thing is that in the movie they basically just say we need spice Mm-hmm. And they don't really go into like yeah, the specific balls in the, the desert. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, like, then it's oh, over. This stuff is crazy. Yeah. But that's one of the things where it's like it doesn't explain. It does what talk it does. about it does talk about how they need it for interstellar travel. It, right. It does say exactly, that. but it doesn't like break it down at all. No, and it doesn't talk about how they use it to modify people, which I feel like is pretty important. Yeah, and I think that's fine, honestly. Yeah. Like, if they say you need it to fly your spaceships, then you're like, okay, I you, got it. Yeah, you get enough. Like, just from them saying that, you're like, okay, this stuff is super important. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, again, like you, it doesn't tell you everything, but like, you get the idea. You know, like, okay, I can, I can see these people killing each other over it. That makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so our story starts with House of Trades on Caladan, and th- this is like just seeing everything on Caladan. I felt like I knew that this movie was going to be a banger. 
just from the fact that how they how they set up how like House Atreides is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have yeah. Oscar Isaac in his beautiful beard. Yeah, sitting oh, there. It was it was so voluptuous. <laughs> and then and you have like all the Atreides men like chanting Atreides. It reminded me of like if there is like a like hyper futuristic like city state of Sparta. It's like House Atreides. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. super interesting. And like yeah, you get the idea of how powerful they are. Mm-hmm. You see their technology is crazy too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And we also get introduced to the idea of Paul. Yeah. Not the idea of Paul, but Paul's our main character and the idea of the voice, mm-hmm. which is like kind of like the power system in this universe. Right. And so another thing that the movie gives you like just enough of, but like not everything, is like Paul is this genetic marvel of a person. Mm-hmm. And like you understand that like the Benny Jesuit which his mom is a member of who get involved with things, you know, hundreds of years in advance to create very specific timelines and stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, that like Paul is like the culmination of all of their time fuckery. Yeah. That, like all of their manipulations within the shadows have basically culminated mm-hmm. in this perfect organism. That is Paul who has inherited the voice from his mom, which was a big no, no because he was supposed to be a girl. Right, exactly. But he's really, really powerful. And again, like, so it doesn't get into all of his, like, biological perfection, but you get the idea that Paul is... He's, like, the, he's the chosen one, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on some main character shit. You yeah, get exactly. That. Yeah. Um, I just, I really enjoyed how they portrayed the voice, mm-hmm. where it was, like, they, they portrayed it in a way where, like, it definitely had a different sound to it, and also they would... Like when uh when one of them commands Paul to like come here, it's like a lapse in time because it's like they don't realize they're following the command. So it's like the camera pans in and you get like a time skip of after they've followed the command. And so it's like you yeah. get like an internal look inside the mind of that person who's like, I just blanked and did what they told me to do. <laughs> yeah. And you get the idea of like, dude, that's really scary and powerful. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Like um, whenever the Benny Jesuit leader like tells Paul like come here, boy, and then he like opens his eyes and he's standing there in front of us. Like, Holy yeah. shit, that is so cool. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I like the way that they portrayed it. Um, and showing off, I didn't know if they would do the whole uh thing with the black box. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how far they were gonna go into everything, but I like that too. I feel like it it did a really good job of showing like basically it was a test of his like emotional maturity and Mm -hmm. if he had any kind of grasp over himself yeah because she mentioned like you have the power of the voice so you can't you don't get to act like an animal and an animal in a box is going to gnaw its own arm off or attack right really interesting Mm -hmm. really i would have failed that test oh absolutely 100 swinging on that grandma (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah for sure um yeah, all that stuff's great. Mm-hmm. The I dynamic mean, between... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to talk about, like, there's so many shots just still on Caladan where it's, like, these, like, wide, super wide shots of, the, mm-hmm. like, the landscapes. And you see that it's, like, pretty beautiful and nice. Yeah. Because that's where they come from before mm-hmm. they go to the fucking disaster that is doomed. Yeah, yeah. The sandy wasteland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved showing off the scale which we can talk about more but i think Mm -hmm. that was one of my favorite things every like sci-fi shot looks like a masterful stroke of concept art like you could just freeze (laughs) it and like that's something the concept artist made and they said fuck it and they just made it yeah this movie was full of backgrounds yes it was beautifully done yeah like even even that scene where they're like walking on 
uh, Arrakis. And it's like, you've got Paul and his father in the foreground. You've got the giant ship for scale in the background where you're like, okay, there's millions of people on that ship. <laughs> and then you have the little soldiers, the little, uh, yeah, the soldiers in the background who are like, like several hundred meters away from Paul and his father who are tiny in the background and they're still in front of the ship. So you're like, the sense of scale is crazy. Yeah, and then, and, yeah. And then it'll do something like, it'll pan out and there's like a hundred of these ships. Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> like this is like an armada, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's millions of people. Like, again, like you said, that just makes the House of Trades look so strong. Right. And I was also just going to say, like in the beginning too, I think they do a really good job of like establishing the relationship that Paul has with his mom and with his dad. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like he, you see him with his dad, it's a lot more normal. Like it's just him mm-hmm. talking about like, I don't know if I'm ready to, you know, inherit this mantle of responsibility. His dad is super cool. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. That is a Chad, you know, he's just like, I didn't want it either, but you know, like, so something about like you know like no one chooses duty duty calls for you or something mm-hmm. like that i was like okay dude i buy it you know like mm-hmm. just some really inspiring leadership shit and you can see like paul has like this really close connection with his dad he idolizes him and his dad loves paul he's not some fascist leader who doesn't give a shit about his yeah son. i feel like that'd be the stereotype where mm-hmm. the dad's like you have a job to do yeah exactly i'm like, gonna beat you into whatever it makes you become mm-hmm. it was something. really interesting to see this leader of house atreides he's like if you don't want to lead that's okay like wow <laughs> yeah is it actually okay because like well, a healthy relationship yeah oh like my God. whoa <laughs> yeah i know right and then you see the more interesting not it's not bad but it's like a more alienated relationship he has, he has with his mom right because yeah. that's that's the complicated stuff that i think the book does better yeah because it's really weird mm-hmm. in a way like the relationship between him and his mom and the mom with the oscar isaac Mm-hmm. is different in the book i see because like um, but we can talk about that yeah because you find out later like as someone who hasn't read the book you find out a little bit later that she's not like the wife of oscar isaac she's she's like his concubine mm-hmm. but they do love each other yeah it's kind of this weird relationship <laughs> yeah um, but i guess like there is like this sense of distrust towards her from both paul and his father to an extent less so to his dad but like because like you can you get the idea that she is like definitely still subject to the Benny Jesuits plans. Yeah. At least in the beginning. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah, just just as like an overview, the Benny Jesuit are like this creepy shadow organization of women yeah. that like control everything behind the scenes. And they're always like dressed in black. And they and all have the power of the in the voice. background and they're manipulating yeah. everything. Yeah, they look like the they look like the ring rates from Lord of the Rings. And <laughs> yeah. then they have the voice, so that's crazy too. So you have Paul and his dad who are pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And then like his mom is part of this cult this clan. cryptic organization that's like, okay, do you ever really trust someone in that? Like you're always dressed in black and you know, you're mm-hmm. just controlling people with your voice. It's kind of crazy. Like for example, whenever Paul is like woken up in the middle of the night by his mom, basically she takes him out there so that Benny Jesuit can jump him. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, I don't really, I'm not really a fan of what you just did to me there. Mm-hmm. You know, like you threw me in this room with this old lady who could totally kill me if she wanted to, mm-hmm. you know? And so you definitely <clears throat> get that sort of, you get that. Right. But at the same time, you know that she loves him. Because like when he did the black box test, she knew what was about to happen and it was going to, he could die in there. Mm-hmm. And she was like crying outside the door. Yeah. Because on one hand, she wants her son to like live and be yeah. normal. But on the other hand, she knows that he has a destiny because he's the chosen he one. He is the so chosen one. So it's like, what one. do you do? Mm-hmm. You yeah. just try your best and hope for the best. 
Uh, yeah, um, you hope he doesn't die <laughs> die in there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, dude. Because it's it's crazy. Because like you, she's like she's like out there crying like at the door. And you can just hear Paul screaming in the room. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, that's brutal. So, do you want to talk about like why um, why like House Atreides is like having to go to Dune? Because originally the Harkonnen were in charge. Yeah. So, so here we get into the sauce. Yeah. So the Harkonnens are brutal. <laughs> They're, they're brutal josh every okay every actor's performance in here is amazing but i am particularly like a josh brawlin fan i think he's mm-hmm. amazing and so he's a really interesting character and then you also got uh you got jason momoa jason momoa you know papa <laughs> yeah, yeah it was great but um yeah the harkonnens were the ones originally running that shit on uh, arrakis i'm trying to remember all these names yeah yeah <laughs> and um and so eventually they get told to leave by the emperor and you don't really know why yet uh and Mm -hmm. so that's when this is also like one of the coolest shots in the movie where like the empire comes and like they basically make this proclamation that like house of trades will bring peace to arrakis Mm -hmm. and it's cool because (laughs) the the empire ship is just like this sphere (laughs) it just lands down you have like these cyberpunk looking space priests (laughs) along with the benny jesuit and all these other people to kind of bear witness to this proclamation. And then it's all supposed to be like really symbolic because the house of Trades has already made the decision to go essentially. Mm-hmm. Like they've already accepted, but it's again, it's just badass because you get the leader of the house, Paul's dad saying like, you know, we, we don't turn down the emperor. You know, we, we don't, mm-hmm. we answer the call. We, you know, we don't uh, refuse to kill. Yeah. One of the things I love about Dune is the clash between like super sci-fi and like super old school. where like, they, they, sh- they show up in this, super sci-fi spaceship with these space priests mm-hmm. and then the guy pulls out a scroll <laughs> i think it's super cool you're right yeah. because um it feels it, to an extent i mean this is hyper simplifying things but it feels like space game of thrones kind of yeah for sure because like yeah you've got spaceships and lasers and quadricopters but you also yeah like you said people are pulling out scrolls and people fight with like knives and, and swords, swords. Mm-hmm. but it's cool because there's a reason for all of it they don't just do it for fun it's like exactly there's a there's a lore behind why they do it which is super cool and it's just a really cool shot i mean I'm just looking at like, oh my gosh, like this looks so good. Yeah, we're gonna be saying that a lot. I know. A lot I mean, of you're probably already amazing. sick of it, but like seriously, if you haven't watched the movie, even if you don't care about sci-fi, like if you just want to see a movie that looks amazing, see it. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It really is crazy. For sure. So yeah, the Atreides are on one hand, they're forced to go to Dune. Yeah. Because the Emperor you don't really says get to going, say no. But at the same time, they get a huge opportunity by going to Dune. Because they can make, they can get rich. They can get the spice. Mm-hmm. And the spice is the sauce of the universe. Spice so. is everything. Yeah. And it's also just really cool because, like, they're not sending some people. Like, the whole house is leaving Kaladin mm-hmm. to basically take residence on Dune for the foreseeable future to, like, solidify these operations. And it's awesome because, like, you see all these ships taking off from Kaladin. It's like, okay. This is like a max exodus mm-hmm. of millions of people to mm-hmm. oversee this. Like this again, the scale is just beautiful. And then you also get the contrast of like Kaladin is so beautiful; it looks like a paradise. And then Ara- <laughs> Arrakis, Dune looks like a shithole. <laughs> You're like, oh my god! Like, oh, we're on fucking Tatooine. Yeah, we're yeah, we're on like the outer planet shithole. Let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we'll be rich, but this is gonna suck you know yeah i mean that's another thing from star wars that's mm-hmm. from dune that you yeah. don't really think about it's yeah like, giant worm in the sand giant worm in the sand sand planet yeah 
Dune Chosen did One, Dune did it Power of the Force. And did it better. Dune did it first. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about better, but... No, I think it's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they go to Dune. And the interesting thing that is a lot more significant in the book than in the movie. So in the movie, Oscar Isaac talks to Paul and he's like, look, there's going to be some fuckery going on there. And I need you to be with me yeah. because we don't know because something's up and I don't really know what it is, but something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he, even in, in the movie, he even mentions like, I don't need you on the feet. Cause he wants to go with Duncan early on the on, early squad. on the scouting mission. And he's like, look, I need you with me and not, I don't need you on the front lines. Cause there's some, there's some political manipulation going on and I don't know mm-hmm. what it is yet, but I need you around. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool that he sets that precedence. Cause damn, he was right. <laughs> oh yeah. He was right. <laughs> he knew a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Cause he's like, why are the Harkonnens getting ousted from, from mm-hmm. this planet so that we could take its place? Like that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is weird because, <laughs> because shit goes down. Shit does go down. Which is crazy. Um, we'll get there. But yeah, so they arrive to Dune, and it's terrible. Dune yeah, it's is awful. like the worst place ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just but a lot spice. of sand, and there's a lot of spice. Yeah, uh, and they were even talking about like at, like the height of day. Like you can't even like walk around; you're just like combust or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. like it's just be so like living terrible. in the desert, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, and like Paul is looking like straight from the mountains of Caucasus. Like there's <laughs> yeah. no way that sun is not gonna burn the hell out of him. He's gonna be looking like a lobster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think this is where. We first get our introduction to the Harkonnens. Yeah, somewhere around here where we get to see the Baron dude. and his big ass, dude. So like you see, you see, um, House Atreides, very regular looking people, like very militarized, but at the same time, like they're not grotesque. They're like they look like a very civilized. I mean, they look like normal people. They just live in the yeah, future. yeah, exactly. They look like a very civilized house, if that makes sense. And then you see the Harkonnen, and it's like. <laughs> by a biological disaster <laughs> really like yeah the, the baron is like this dude who is so fat from just glutton he has to float around with his little like anti-gravity jetpack <laughs> yeah. and then you have yeah. you have dave batista he's this hulking monster and they're just and like, that's just how he is in real life too but yeah <laughs> yeah dude lumbers in he's like let's kill some you know atreides he's, he's pissed because he's like we got kicked out of we got kicked off our dune what the fuck mm-hmm. is this and then mm-hmm. the baron's like don't worry the emperor's got a plan oh yeah and so you're like oh, okay this is bad um and then you you like know stuff is about to go down because also you see a meeting between the baron like as they're arriving on a uh on arrakis mm-hmm. you see the benny jesuit leader discussing with the baron like like the plan essentially like not even the plan more of just like do whatever you want, but you don't get to kill Paul and you don't get to kill Jessica. Is Jessica? Yeah, Jessica. You don't get to kill Paul and you don't get to kill his mom, Jessica, because they're with us. Don't yep. kill them. And he's like, yeah, sure. Which is like, <laughs> dude, look at this guy. You're really going <laughs> to you're really gonna believe anything he says? Yeah, for so, sure. So, oh, okay. Not important. But I just want to say, like, the movie does a really good job of, like, showing you, like, the biological extremes that these houses can push towards with technology and I just want to talk about the spider thing because I think it fucks <laughs> yeah. me up. I still thing think about it, up. dude. So <laughs> let's just say, as the Benny Jesuit leader is walking in, there is this <laughs> grotesque spider-looking, like it is a person 
that's like been turned into this spider creature pet thing <laughs> for the Baron. Yeah. And it, I mean, even the Benny Jesuit leader is like, can, can that thing, like, can you put it somewhere else? And he's just, <laughs> I like, don't want to fucking look at that. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's fine. And she's like, no, leave. And she uses the voice to scare it away. It was like, dude. And then you figure out like that used to be a regular person. Yep. And that freak, like, dude, <laughs> for all the cool stuff in this universe, that is horrifying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, like imagine like biological torture. Mm -hmm. Horrifying. Oh, yeah. It's great stuff. I love how just evil the Harkonnens are and how they're portrayed in this. Yeah. Like, they're on this dusty-ass dark planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it, some it, Sith planet <laughs> yeah. with these biological creatures that they made in a basement crawling around. It's like, dude, what the hell? Yeah, why can't you be like them? You guys are so evil. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. One of the things that uh, I appreciate where, like, they... They just show it. They don't really explain it. It was the sound barrier that they used when they talked to the Bene Gesserit, the Harkonnens. Do you mm. remember that? Yes, yes, Like this, yes. this tube of light comes down around them and it essentially nullifies their conversation to be heard from anywhere else. Right. And it's like, it's one of those things where you can't explain it or you can just show, okay, we can't hear outside we can hear inside i, I really like that it's yeah. those little things that keep the pacing uh going well yeah definitely i thought that was cool and it's like it doesn't explain it but you get it yeah you get it yeah and i guess like it, i guess the reason this feels so weird too is like um i feel a lot of modern movies just kind of don't respect the audience's intelligence if that makes sense yeah this movie feels like it it respects your intelligence it's like you can infer you know yeah. like the audience is smart enough to understand the idea of what's going on. So it's not going to hold hands. And because of that, the pacing is a lot better off for it. Right. So that, I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of shit in here and it's like, either you hop on the train or you're getting left behind. Exactly. And it's not even it, the plot itself. Isn't that complicated, mm -hmm. but if you were more worried about like more of the details, I feel like they're explained enough. Exactly. To get going. And it's kind of just cool because as a member of the audience who had not read the books, I was super, I felt, I never really felt lost. I never really felt like I didn't know what was going on. But like, if there was something I wanted to know more about, I can look it up or talk to someone who's read the book and get like a little bit more information. And it's just kind of like, you get like a nice little immersion into the universe, but you don't really ever feel overwhelmed. Yeah, so which great. is great stuff. Yeah. So then back on Dune, we get to talk a lot about um, Dune itself. So there's like yeah, and the, the people on there and the people. Yeah. So there's this whole ecology with Dune, which is so fascinating. Where it's like you have this own people, these own yeah, these people with their own culture and their own systems. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you also have like the worms, which we haven't even talked about. Yeah. And we also have like uh, we get an explanation of the shield system and how all that plays out, which I love to see. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that and I thought like it was shown really shields, well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, when we first show up, it's it's a Paul, and he's, like, researching Dune and trying to figure out how to do that things. That was cool. He was, like, learning, like, the ways of the people and how they survive. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I wanted to talk about, and I might ask some questions here, because, like, I don't know everything. Yeah. But, um, like, he's talking to his dad, and his dad's like, we're really powerful because of, like, our, our fleet, right? Like, we have our, like we yeah. have space power and sea power, but we need desert power. Desert power, so baby. His, so his dad's his dad's gigabrain plan was instead of being the Harkonnens and just destroying these people mm -hmm. um, to come to a, like a peaceful terms with them and ally with them. He wants yes. to ally with the, the Fremen yeah. who are the natives living on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so kind of what I gathered is like Duncan goes and like, like scouts ahead before everyone gets there yeah. and 
basically is able to talk to them and get them to discuss terms, you know? Right. And so from what I gathered, like House Atreides being a very powerful house, they have phenomenal fighters. Mm -hmm. So there's like, in terms of fighting capability, the Harkonnens, the Atreides, and then like the Emperor's Blades, like mm -hmm. they're all really great. But like the, the Fremen are like better, if not on par with all those people, right? Yeah, so that's one thing it doesn't really talk about, and I think they're going to save it for part two, because then, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but part two really goes into the culture of the Fremen and mm -hmm. how they operate and how they do everything. And the whole idea is that, like, when you're raised in such a brutal environment, it's essentially like, it's like diamonds under pressure or whatever. Right. So they become these great fighters because they know, I mean, they were battling with the Harkonnens, which is like a powerful house. Right. And the exactly. Harkonnens can put them down. Mm -hmm. They didn't even have an understanding of how many there even were. Yeah. They is like, one thing. It's mentioned that the Harkonnens like, didn't realize that there were millions of Fremen. They thought yeah. there were like 8,000 or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's just one of the things where Paul's dad sees the value in having this desert power, mm -hmm. which essentially comes down to the fact that he wants to be powerful enough to own Arrakis and have nothing threaten him there. Yeah. Like have this control on the spice because the spice is everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So exactly. you'd be the most powerful, maybe even more, maybe even more powerful than the emperor. Cause what can the emperor do without the spice? Exactly. And that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because Duncan, yeah. so one, so like, you can look at Jason Momoa playing Duncan and realize like, oh, this guy is super beefed. And so you can infer that he's like really good at fighting. Um, and he mentions that the the Fremen are really like they fight like demons or he says yeah. like that. Um, but like, again, one of those things you you look at him and you realize he's an amazing fighter. You can just tell. But it does. You don't realize that he's like one of the best fighters in like the universe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like in the galaxy or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Like he's insane. And it's like the same thing with Josh Brolin. Like he's an amazing fighter and like an incredible tactician. Mm -hmm. And so you get like, yeah, I'm sure these people are amazing, but you don't re like the movie doesn't just straight up tell you the caliber of some of these characters, yeah. which I think is mostly okay. Yeah. But I, I also feel like when J when you have Jason Momoa and he's like, yeah, these people are fucking wild. You're like, okay, I these people it. are like, are, are wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Cal Drogo is a little, sh is a little shook, I believe it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is great stuff. I think, also, the difference in culture between the Fremens and the House of Atreides is super interesting because whenever the Fremen leader meets Paul's dad for the first time on Arrakis, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's almost like you can tell it's kind of intentionally done by the writer, but it's also kind of clever because he starts the conversation off by just spitting at the feet of yeah. Paul's dad. And, and everyone in the room like draws swords. Yeah, because you think it's hands. It's time <laughs> yeah. to go. But you don't you figure out that that's how they It's a whole different culture. It's a whole different And culture. that's the interesting thing about Dune, it's exploring this different culture mm -hmm. because and how they operate. Yeah. Because to the Fremen, like water is everything. Oh yeah. And so like spitting to greet someone is like the highest of honors mm -hmm. because like you're giving that, up your that, water that moisture. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I just thought that was super cool because they were definitely yeah, it's to great stuff. Guy's throat. Yeah, it's great stuff. And I, I'm curious if part two will go into it more um, because, like I said, we go into more of the culture of the Fremen, but like the moisture thing is huge. Yeah, with them, and I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was like put enough pressure on it in the movie, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I also don't know if they were saving it for part two. That's another problem that I have 
with this movie is that like a lot of it's great and a lot of it's good and i i'm totally a fan of it but if part two blows i'm gonna be like "Mm, really yeah man it's 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 a phenomenal setup like you get just enough like or the maybe i shouldn't even be saying this because like this is i'm mostly just saying what i think like your opinion is based on what you told me but from what Zach has told me, it sounds like it's a phenomenal setup. And like yeah. it's got the building blocks of really creating and fleshing out the universe from the rest of the movies. But if it fails to do that, then this kind of falls flat. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the opinion I've seen a lot of people have. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. that's the whole problem is that this only did the first half of the first book. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's all set up. Is there more than one book? Dude, there's like 30 books. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know. That. I thought there was one book. no there's like 30 but they're not gonna get the lore i haven't read all of them because they get wild does paul's dude does paul's i'm not gonna tell you anything okay okay i can't tell you anything well like to finish the series would they have to cover all the books no i so i would assume that they're just gonna do because the first book is like it's a book it's like the bible okay well (laughs) the bible doesn't fucking end but that's whatever uh the first book is just like you can read it by itself and it's fine. Okay. And then like the rest of it's more of a continuation of how those things go. And if they want to make seven movies, I'm here for seven movies. Okay. But I, I think they're probably, from my guess, they're going to do a part one and part two. Okay. Okay. And then it'll be, that'll be it. Okay. That's pretty cool. Because Damn, like 30 books. <laughs> that's crazy. It is crazy. There's a lot. I don't know if it's like 30, yeah. but. You see they're making a Wheel of Time series on Amazon. I did see that. That's kind of crazy. That's a lot of sauce. That is a lot that's, of sauce. I, I that's a know. whole different topic. That's another podcast. But I remember seeing that and just feeling like, oh, oh my Jeff, God. Oh, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, but, but anyway, anyway, back to Dune. Yeah. The stuff with the Fremen really is great because it's a lot more of show and not don't tell mm-hmm. when it comes to their stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, just the way that they treat their water, their moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, so... This gets us to our first encounter with the worm. And this is where Paul and his dad go out to see the the rig. Yeah, so there's like these giant space worms living in the sand. Yeah, we even really brought that up. Yeah, they're massive. Well, that's like the big issue because to harvest the spice, you have to utilize heavy machinery. And these worms are attracted to... um, Vibrations in the ground. Yeah, and like more specifically, uh, harmonic vibrations. So like repetitive kinds of sounds like Mm -hmm. heavy machinery tends to produce and so you're out there collecting spice and you know there's this sandworm the size of a city probably coming towards you somewhere Mm -hmm. and you just can't see it yet and so (laughs) um, like they have scouts out yeah they've got these drones guys flying around to see where these worms are coming from because basically the idea is like grab the spice and just get out before mm-hmm. they show up. They don't really have a way to deter these worms necessarily or stop them. Right. It's like, what are you going to do? It's huge. Um, well, one of the things, I don't know if it was talked about in the movie. You'll have to remind me. But so the worms make the spice. I don't know that they mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they, so, I could see myself missing that. I could see Yeah. So that. like Maybe one of the questions is why don't you just kill the worms? Yeah. Cause they could just fucking nuke them from orbit or something. Yeah. 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 So they make the spice and that's the problem oh. is you can't stop the worms cause you need the worms. That's, that's actually really things. smart. Yeah. That's, that's cool. like one, that's like one of the details where it's like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. But then if you, you know, have it explained a little bit more. It's mm. like, oh, okay. Another thing that I don't know if they talked about. Is it like their shit? It's 
wild. It's like space magic. Okay, cool. Like interdimensional portals in their seventh stomach that <laughs> makes spice or something like that. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Um, but another thing I don't know if they talked about was that you can't have shields when you're out on the sand because the vibrations of the shield. They did mention that. Okay. Yeah, the vibrations like like uh, attract the worms. Yeah, yeah, so that's why like none of the, the machinery or any of the planes or any mm-hmm. like the people have those shields on them to protect them because it just you get swarmed by worms yeah yeah they would they would love that shit (laughs) exactly uh which yeah yeah so you basically see like you get a look at how like atreides is getting all this spice and you also see what a menace these worms are to Mm -hmm. work around which is really cool and then like you basically in this like they're all like house atreides is holed up in this big city that's in like built on top of like a giant rock or something yeah like it's safe and you essentially see them, you see like the emperor's plan kind of unfold. So, and you also see some interesting tech, like use of the technology. Like you see it a lot here. So like one of the things we didn't mention was like these shields that people use. Like, mm-hmm. so when they fight with knives, the reason is because like you can't really use guns or anything because the shields stop like fast moving objects. If you want to get through somebody's shield, you have to move slowly. So they, their whole fighting style uses like these knives and swords then they have to be very surgical with how they use them to kill somebody Mm -hmm. and so like that can like that doesn't mean that they're like fighting in slow motion but it means like you have to kind of pull your stroke close to the shield and everything to get it through and it's very interesting and then you also see all this technology kind of created to counter it so like Paul is in his room reading up on sand walking or something like that. Yeah. And then you see like this little mosquito drone, like fly in and like burn a hole in the wall. And it's there to like assassinate Paul essentially. Right. Paul can't be stopped. So he (laughs) smacks that shit. But it's just really interesting because like it can like fly through like persistently through your shield to kill you. Mm -hmm. Right. It's really cool. Yeah. It's like a little assassin drone Mm -hmm. that, and like, that's another example that of like Paul being a master of his emotions mm-hmm. and him phys- himself physically is like if he moved at all or made like any noise at all, he would die. Yeah. Cause I also loved like in the movie, like it goes like right up to his eyeball yeah. and Paul's just staring at it and so, he can't even like blink. Basically. Maybe this is something I didn't know. Is it like, cause it's piloted by a person. Yeah. Right. So like, can he not see Paul? It doesn't have like a camera on it. No. Oh, cause it's so small. Oh, so it's like based off of sound. And That's why I didn't see him. Like it was, it would have killed him if it's on. Well, I, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured it was just like, cause he was standing in that projector and I didn't know if it was like messing with its camera or something like that. Cause he was like hiding in some projection mm-hmm. bushes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Paul is ice cold in this movie. It was <laughs> yeah. really cool. Cause like Paul, I think they do a good job of like making Paul someone you can relate to. Like he seems normal, but he's also icy. Like this, this dude's on another level. He's capable. Yeah, exactly. He's the chosen one. It's cool starting off with a capable protagonist. Like I think when you, obviously starting off with a protagonist who doesn't know what he's doing is normal. Like that's what most storylines do. And it's just kind of nice to see like Paul is still developing, but he's like already very capable. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go through, you know, the space, training arc. yeah yeah space ninja 101 we've already done all that <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's cool and you see him develop like physically and his fighting abilities are already there really um but like his use of the voice is like where he's developing right now mm-hmm. you know so exactly. that's really cool to see yeah and uh oh, i'm trying to think about what happens yeah. next it's going great and then the harkonnen just fuck it up <laughs> 
is is that what's next i can't remember uh um, yeah well i mean like uh, his i mean paul's dad gets pissed because there was an assassin who got in yeah so um, well another thing that we kind of just skipped over but the harkonnens essentially fucked up the whole base before they left yeah like, they, they didn't leave them anything them. Yeah. to work with because they're just assholes yeah they were like um we don't have any spice tanks left and they left us all this dated shitty equipment mm -hmm. you know all this and that because it's like oh well the harkonnens are shitty of course they're gonna do that and they're pissed obviously like <laughs> yeah they, they were getting like rich also from... one thing we didn't talk about was the zendaya visions <laughs> oh yeah those are crazy so the visions <laughs> the visions were like i think Overall, they were well done. I don't know how they could have done them better, but they're definitely like very like ethereal experience. Yeah, you get that they're a vision. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, he Paul is so, just having visions of Zendaya. Yeah, that's one of the funny things is that I feel like in all the trailers and stuff, it showed Zendaya was like a big part of it. It's mm -hmm. like she's on the poster and stuff. She's in this movie for like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know if people are gonna be mad about that. But me going in, I already knew what was going on. Yeah. So Paul is having visions of this Fremen girl who is Zendaya. And you don't you don't even really know what the point of that was, really. Not at all. <laughs> See? No. That's the thing, is like that's one of those things where it's like if part like if part two just never came out, you'd be like, hmm. What? Well, what is I will that? say, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like I think I think Zendaya is a great actress, but I wasn't like slamming the table because I didn't get yeah. any Zendaya in yeah. the movie. Um, but also one thing that I thought kind of worked well was the fact that he does not meet Zendaya until the end of the movie. But you can tell from these, you know, fever dreams he's having <laughs> that she's super important. You're like, okay, like I got the feeling as a member of the audience that when they met and united, I was like, we're just getting started. Yeah. This is part one, baby. He was like, oh, this is what those visions were yeah. for. It's them to meet up. But you don't really know where that goes. Yeah. I, I think assuming the director doesn't die between part one and two i think part two is going to successfully i mean part two is on. coming out yeah so part two yeah it's confirmed so when we watched it it was not confirmed yeah so we exactly. were a little worried but then they confirmed it after making because it was Bucks. an absolute banger yeah yeah i haven't heard a single um, bad thing about the movie like anyone that's fantastic about it. it's it great stuff is fantastic. um another thing is that i also was worried about this coming into this movie from the books is that paul is the chosen one and as the chosen one, Paul has visions of the future and can see the future. Yeah. And I didn't know how they were going to do it in the movie, but I think they did it pretty great. Mm -hmm. Where it's like he has visions. And as we come to find out, sometimes those visions don't come to pass. They did do a good job of that because they will like directly show you some stuff that happens within this first movie. And you can see him like, like purposefully change the outcome mm -hmm. of what happens. And then there are also things where it's like that is happening. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things in the book that is really hard to translate, I think, is that there are some things that Paul sees. For example, he knows his mom is pregnant because he sees her carrying a child. Yeah. And, like, that is happening. Right, right. So, but, like, his fight with Jameis at the end, like, you don't really know how that's going to go. Mm, exactly, because you actually see Jameis kill him. Yeah, exactly. Which in obviously doesn't happen because then movie's over. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you but you see that and you're like, oh, what the hell is that? And then mm -hmm. you actually see him beat Jameis, and mm -hmm. so it's like, okay, so there's some wiggle room in these visions that he's having. Right. I don't know why I didn't think about this, but it is actually that seems like a really, really crazy important plot point that his mom's pregnant. That's gonna come <laughs> back later. That's, like, that's that uh, that's another, I don't want to say anything. That's but... well, that's another super powered, perfect child in there. 
it gets wild. Yeah, I'll say I that. The, I mean, I don't know what happens, but yeah. I, I guess I didn't think about it because I'm like, oh, like Paul's got a little brother. And I'm just like, wait, that could be really bad. It could be. Yeah, you'll have to. Uh, I don't know. Or it could be good. Little brother team up. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that's I, all. I'm not that's all spe- well, that's all speculation. For yeah, me. it's all I spoilery. Just, I just realized I like stumbled into that. Like, and I don't even know how they're gonna do that. Now that I'm thinking yeah, about it. don't talk about it. <laughs> don't, don't ruin it. Don't ruin um, it. I'm so deep. I don't want anything ruined. For I'm not me gonna yet. ruin anything. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he has these visions. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that we'll talk about the other horrific visions later. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he should have had a vision about the Harkonnens so, destroying the city. Yeah, that would have been helpful. Yeah, that would have been really nice. He could have changed that because um. <laughs> So we the marketing's coming hot. We gotta talk about the doctor, which is, is interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. That okay. So the doctor is another character that's just lightly touched on in the movie, and which I think is probably my biggest, one of my biggest cons in this movie is that it didn't explain the importance or like the severity of what was happening with the doctor. Like, like he wasn't even really a character. Like the dynamic the doctor like has with. Like house the house Atreides. and the emperor and like his backstory. Yeah, like where he comes from. And... He kind of just is there. Yeah, he's not, he's they... not your it's... local physician who just comes in to do a checkup. Like it's a lot deeper than that. Yeah, which is fine. I think like like you understood what was going on. Yeah, exactly. And especially with the whole deal with the Harkonnens, mm-hmm. which we'll get into. Yeah. But yeah, we'll just get into that later. Because the Harkonnens show up hot and heavy. Yeah, they do. They The shield, all they do, all they realize is Paul's dad realizes a bunch of people dying in the hallways. He gets shot in the back with this paralysis. Like it's like a bullet that slowly burrows into your shield. Yeah. And for a doctor, he's a crack shot because he hit him in like the one spot of his lower back where, where he, he couldn't, couldn't grab reach. it. Yeah. And so it gets through his shield and paralyzes him. And then everyone's, I mean, House of Trades is and caught. And that's GG. A- yeah, exactly. Leaders down. House of Trades is caught ass out, no shields, middle of the night. And then these horrors well that's actually one thing that i really liked is that it didn't show paul's dad to be an idiot like he sees all these dead people in the hallway and he's like all right i'm putting on the shield because there's some fuckery going yeah, on yeah that was good and i hate like, it whenever they make people like, like if you have to get rid of a character in a movie or a show like don't make him look like an idiot you know it's like paul's dad really did everything he could mm-hmm. and he just got raw dogged exactly yeah because because he never expected like he thought all he had all of his bases covered yeah exactly the doctor the doctor did it the doctor did it yeah and so the harkonnens show up and they're not fucking around dude well so oh <laughs> dude okay so again so the, it's not just the harkonnens they have the emperor's yeah they have the yeah. emperor's blades like his personal assassins essentially mm-hmm. and these guys are crazy because like so i loved it this might be my favorite part of the movie so uh, this is when you realize like oh the emperor is trying to depose of uh, house of trades mm-hmm. because they're getting too powerful yep. so what do you do you glass them <laughs> in the desert all in one spot <laughs> yeah. so he grabs a harkin and says hey i know i took dune from you guys but don't worry you're gonna have it back tomorrow and then he gets like a quarter of his uh personal warriors mm-hmm. and there's this crazy scene yes. where it's like because the thing is like these guys are in the future Right. And so you think like, oh, these guys are the zenith of society. You know, they have technology we can only dream of. And how are these guys getting ready for deployment? They're getting blood face paint with this guy chanting in some aboriginal chant on this big like tower while the while these dude, 
these guys, like these sacrifices, like, these human <laughs> sacrifices are being bled out upside down. It is fucking wild. In this monolithic pool of sacrificial blood, it looks like some Aztec shit. And then they're using that blood to ordain each of these warriors as they go in. It's like, okay, I can't tell where... I can't tell where we are. Like, I can't tell if we're in negative 500 BCE or if we're like, yeah, in but the, the crazy thing is you see all that. And then they hop on a spaceship. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God. These guys got knives and blood on their faces looking like fucking Vikings. <laughs> and then they hop on the spaceship and hit interstellar travel. Yeah, That's like one of my favorite. Wow. Things about Dune. It's, it's just... it, I think it's great. I think it's so cool, but it's also just wild to see. Cause like you get so much con this movie is lots of contrast, which is yeah. beautifully done. So they show up and like, I think they did a good job too, because the Harkonnens are like, yeah, it's a good thing we have these guys because House of Trades is stacked. All of their fighters are extremely capable. Like they're, they're great. Mm -hmm. So they show up and they just go to town. It, it yeah, is they're going it's to a town. slaughter. The House of Trades is not ready. Um, and yeah, it's just a complete slaughter. And then also you see like how destructive some of this military technology oh, can yeah. be. Like there's this one scene after after like the palace has already been invaded where like the mothership essentially just glasses the city <laughs> like it shoots hundreds of these like nagasaki level bombs <laughs> onto the city and you just realize like this is there's nothing left it's yeah. crazy well and this is hardly a complaint but at the same time it's just like they're talking about like we're taking the city so we can resume spice production it's like what are you taking what well, is they the took all their spice production stuff off first remember they didn't leave any for the Atreides. Yeah, they were pissed you're about right. It. You're right. They thought That's they were just so being dicks. They thought they were being dicks, but no, it's they were just saving it for later. <laughs> they were just gonna yeah. glass. So the they just glass city. the city essentially, except for like the palace. And... Yeah, I uh, another one of my favorite moments is you have Josh Brolin. Yeah, you have him running. Him and the boys are running to the ships, and they're like, "We got to get battle ready." And mm -hmm. as they're running to the ships, they're firing missiles from above. And, it, oh, yeah. and they hit the shields on the ships and it slows down like that's how the shields work and it slowly goes through and then once it goes through i mean it is over it's over the ships blow up and i think it's cool because the ships are like floating and then when they blow up they like all sink to the ground slowly mm -hmm. it's so cool it's you, like sci-fi at its best you have gurney just doing the face of just like oh my <laughs> yeah. god yeah gurney like you, gurney is seeing this and he's like yeah it's over <laughs> that's a gg yeah well dude it's also you get that scene where uh the harkonnen the harkonnen boys are storming the palace and the, all the house of trades guys are like hell no so mm -hmm. they stop them and they're they're putting up a pretty good fight and then you have the emperor's guys zip line in behind them and they're just like oh well it's cool because they don't just give up they 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 shift ranks yeah, and they're still organized about it until the very end. And they're still mm -hmm. chanting Atreides essentially until they get sliced and diced. Yep. But it's just like, man, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hate seeing this. Like the only normal people in the whole show are just getting eviscerated mm -hmm. right in front of you. Right. So Paul's dad's out. Yeah. The Paul's... Atreides entire line is out. Yeah. I mean, essentially the house is cold everyone it, is dead it's uh, over paul and his mom get, get thrown into the desert they get grabbed and bagged by the uh mm -hmm. the harkonons yeah yeah the guy this was like some stupid strategy he was like look we're not gonna kill them but we're just gonna we're just gonna dump paul and his mom into the so, desert to kill them so the reason why they did that is because i don't know if they explained it so the Bene Gesserit and like their more, more powerful leaders are 
I think they're called truth sayers or something like that. And they can read your body and tell if you're lying. Yeah. I For a hundred percent. Oh, damn. <laughs> like they know if you're lying. Oh, so there's like, so they'll be like, did you kill them? No. And they would say, no, we left them in the desert. And it I also be feel alive. like that is some ooga booga tactic though. Cause it's like, they could have been like, did you play a hand in their death? <laughs> yeah. You know, you... but they, they wouldn't know if they died. That's true. They could have lived in the desert. They mm-hmm. would. So like that whole plot point is for them to get past the, yeah. To get past the Benny, Benny, Benny just I mean, like out of curiosity, like maybe, maybe this is a spoiler, but like, let's say the Benny Gesserit like found out the Harkonnens fucked about what would they do like just well they'd be pissed well yeah well like could they like do they have do they have like the intergalactic clout to like turn a bunch of other houses on the harkins they could tell the emperor to go do whatever they want basically oh so like the the bini jesserit are essentially like the the powerful most powerful okay like but they just work in like the shadows okay okay they're like the illuminati but way more powerful yeah they're like the illuminati and okay yeah that's cool i mean when you have the ability to literally just tell people what to do i guess that makes sense Hmm. so and they also have like a there's like a religious aspect to them too right Mm -hmm. is that what it is okay yeah so yeah they're covering all the bases of complete Mm -hmm. like brainwashed oh that does remind me we didn't eat there's so much to talk about oh whenever they first show up to arrakis yeah we didn't talk about the fact that like paul is the chosen one by them what do they call him again uh there's like a name that the people oh i'm blanking i'm blanking right now that kind of makes me mad because i know the name i know what the fremen call muadib okay but i don't remember what the name is that the benny jesserit call him well but the fremen were the one so whenever like paul and his dad first show up to arrakis the fremen people are all chanting a muadib maybe we can look at okay Hopefully this doesn't spoil anything. I'm going to do a little research. Uh, uh, hmm. Oh, uh, Muad'Dib? No, you don't want to know that. (laughs) Not yet. Okay. That'll be a spoiler. Okay. Uh, here, keep talking. I'll find it. Okay. Okay. Um, but basically, well, the name, we'll figure it out in a minute, but, uh, whenever they first show up all the fremen are chanting this religious name for paul and then his mom is like oh like the benny jesserit have been here basically toiling in the affairs of like the local people because like one of the things that the like the leader of the benny jesserit talks about is like they don't plan they they have like plans spanning over hundreds of years and so you realize that the benny jesserit has gone on to uh, onto Arrakis at some point in the past. So the Bini just referred to him as the Kwaz... I don't know, I don't even know how to say it. Kwazats Hadarak. Okay. That's his name by the Bini Jesuit. Okay. As the chosen one. That's and the then, match. so the Fremen call him Muad'Dib. Yeah, and so they're calling him this name, like basically the chosen one. Yeah. And so you realize like the Bini Jesuit has been on this planet, presumably like hundreds of years ago or whatever, like cultivating this religious belief in the people there specifically for when paul arrives yeah and it it's crazy it's yeah. also super good writing because like one of the things is that he shows up and he 
is already like fulfilling part of the prophecy that they're they've known yeah and then like he'll do something and they're like oh my god it's jesus christ yeah li- literally literally like he's right here in front of me he's fulfilling this prophecy in front of their eyes mm-hmm. yeah which is really crazy yeah and then also um he gets his hands on one of the uh the knives from like the holy worm's mouth or whatever mm-hmm. which is pretty yeah. cool too the uh chris knife yeah the chris knife I, I didn't know what that was for like the longest time, but I figured it out. Zendaya explained it to me, but at the end. <laughs> thank you, Zendaya. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but dude, I just think that's so interesting that like the organization of the Bene Gesserits is like planning over the spans of multiple lifetimes to mm-hmm. get this stuff to work. It's and it's like, it's so integrated into the religion. Yeah, like and just waiting for call. Like you don't, I mean, maybe you know, but I don't know if the, the Bene Gesserit would have completely fabricated this religion for the people or if they just injected on their little their little secret sauce for Paul's arrival. But you just know. Like, it's funny too, because like Paul is like, what are they talking about? And his mom is almost just like, oh yeah, they've they did they've been here and they've been doing all this stuff. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh I won't say anything about that. I'll leave That's that. That's fine. I figure like I figure there's a lot going on behind the scenes that becomes a little bit more important later mm-hmm. but it's really just, it's just super cool because like all of these concepts i feel are fairly new mm-hmm. like i haven't yeah. really seen them yeah and they're cool that it's really good to see because at the same time the audience member is expected to keep up mm-hmm. it's like when you whenever you see this person fall on their knees and call paul messiah you should yeah. kind of get what's going on yeah yeah exactly you can infer yeah so anyway paul and his mom are shipped out by the harkonnens and duncan is a badass and gets away on his own mm-hmm. uh and then paul and his mom have to figure out a way to get out of the reaches of the harkonnens that are flying them away and i oh, yeah one of the things that i really liked was that they taped up paul's mom's mouth because they, they know paul's but they didn't yeah. tape paul's and at the same time Paul kind of sucks at using the voice. Yeah, he's still working on it. Like, he tells that guard to do something, and the guard just gut punches him and tells him to shut up. Yeah. Which is great. And, like, he finally musters up the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just great showing, like, he's pretty capable, but he's not all the way there. Yeah. Just a small thing like that. Yeah, but Paul's got balls, and that's it's good to see, because mm-hmm. he saves him and his mom, because they're able to handle the other three guys with their combined voices once Paul's able to get the guy to take her, uh, like, her gag off right and so that's how they get away and then yeah duncan just flies off and like <laughs> flies off there's like him. this little i there's like this little kind of scene where they uh they get the help of so that one girl is like she's uh mm. a fremen but she also like works for the empire yeah as like oh, i can't remember like a name. cultural um like a cultural leader who kind of helps uh bridge the gap between both of their cultures and um, so yeah so yeah kinds Leah kinds is also is also a way bigger character in the book because like in the book the way that paul figures out how arrakis works is kinds explaining it to him okay and like showing him how the different things work and how everything goes okay um but it's fine it's not a big deal yeah yeah anyway kinds helps him and his mom get away and then they rendezvous with duncan at this research facility um and then that's also where duncan dies protecting them as they escape because the uh the emperor's blades track him down there mm-hmm. they, they try to hit them with some navy seal operation to assassinate them duncan's not having it though and he's able to fight him off while they get away get us in duncan is an absolute chad right here mm-hmm. and i love to see it he's taking down like 20 of the emperor's mm-hmm. men to let paul and his mom get away it's great stuff um 
and it's kind of sad because everyone likes Jason Momoa, and I thought mm-hmm. he was great in this movie. Yeah, this might I didn't be expect like... to see him die so soon. Personally. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's one of the yeah, that's one of the things I'd be interested to talk to you about. But okay, it's a spoiler. So oh, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. It's not like what you think. I know what you're thinking, but I don't think it's what you're thinking. Maybe not. Okay, that that's gonna happen off the mic later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean it's cool because you see him you he gets a good death like he yeah yeah he gets a good it's nice too because uh i mean i i i think gurney's alive because you don't see gurney die so that dude is definitely in some uh in some prison somewhere and paul's busting him out later but yeah you see um jason momoa die we also as uh as paul and his mom get away you get a cool look at like some more t- sci-fi tech too because they use like this micron laser to like laser through the mm-hmm. door and it, the way <laughs> yeah. they do it is really cool like it just like cuts you in half like oh that also reminds me i didn't i don't know if the movie talked about this or if, like it's just a small detail so you remember when duncan was flying away and that ship was using a laser it yeah like, it was like trying to up. hit him with the laser mm-hmm. that was so cool. you may be thinking why don't they use that more often and how would that work with shields? You yeah. Know? Like, why wouldn't you try that? Would the shield, like, deflect it at you or something like that? Yeah, so the shield creates, like, a mini nuclear explosion on both ends of the laser if you use it. Oh, Jesus. It's like, it's like basically, lasers are not allowed if you're dealing with shields. So, like, if I... It, well, it matters on the scale, but, like, if I shot you and you were holding... And you had a shield, and I shot you with a laser, we would both die. Oh. And so that's why they don't do it. Okay. Yeah. No one wins. So just like, let's just not use it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's another one of those small details where it's like, okay. That, they didn't have to go over, but it's just one of the things. Oh, the I mean, that's cool. Yeah. That stuff looks super scary. Because <laughs> exactly. like the laser, trying to laser him as he's flying around in this, uh, as this, in this quadricopter. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's super crazy looking. Uh, but yeah, they use that to try to get the door open to get it at Paul and his mom. But Chad Momoa stops <laughs> them from doing that. Yep. And then either like or like slightly earlier at about this time is also when Paul's dad gets gets his moment as well. Right. So the way it was set up was that the doctor hates the Baron because the Baron has taken his wife and has been torturing her. So he gives Paul's dad a fake tooth that when he crunches down on it will release this essentially insta kill gas or to everyone in the room yeah i mean the doctor's a piece of shit for what he did but at least he gave him yeah so they also hooks paul up with everything like he needs he gives like a survival pack and all this stuff yeah exactly so the doctor's really not evil he was basically just used in this whole Mm -hmm. thing yeah maybe doesn't know priorities but he's (laughs) not evil so paul's dad is captured and he's talking to the baron dude i also loved that they just had Paul's dad like bare ass naked in yeah, that chair. Yeah, sitting paralyzed in this chair. And he just looks so sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like absolutely defenseless and the Baron's eating like four drumsticks in front of yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, how's the This is a good kitchen. Like, dude, are you ever not eating? <laughs> yeah, you fat fuck. Yeah. You destroyed it's... this man's life and you're having a snack? And so the Baron's just shit talking him this yeah. whole time. And Paul or Paul's dad finally gets the moment to yeah, the, break the tooth yeah the parents of he's a shit he's like oh damn do you remember whenever we uh destroyed your house <laughs> like, dude come on really <laughs> come on man but uh 
yeah, he uh, he uses the tooth on the Baron when he's close and kills everyone in the room. But unfortunately, the, the Baron, Baron survives, which makes sense because he's like the big baddie mm-hmm. and he's got like lung cancer now from it or something. But he uses his little <laughs> his little fat fat boy uh, jetpack to get up onto the ceiling and get away, so he doesn't get totally killed by the poison. But he's mm-hmm. he's still in like some healing goop for like a month or some crazy shit yeah. like that. He has to go to the healing tank. Yeah. So Paul's dad's also dead. Yeah, which is like another big character death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that paul's basically on his own now yeah with his mom every yeah and so paul and his mom are running away and they split ways with kinds because kinds is going to distract them while so they can get into the helicopter and get away Mm -hmm. so kinds runs out and another thing that i liked was they pulled out the thumper which is the thing that's cool they didn't explain it but it's like everyone knew what was going on Mm -hmm. where she like she said you throw it in the ground and it attracts worms Mm -hmm. and you're just like hmm why would i ever want to do that to ride to ride baby uh, desert power desert power and that's that's one of the big like that's another big thing mm-hmm. is that like you're like hmm like the harkonnens didn't really understand how powerful the fremen were like there can only be so many like how would they even get around mm-hmm. it's like they ride worms Ooh. crazy except she gets murdered right before that yeah yeah that sucked but she still got her revenge mm-hmm. you know she got killed but those guys definitely got turn into worm dust so, so yeah paul and his mom are on their way out and they're being chased yeah. so they have to go through the storm yeah their big idea is he's trying to go to like one of the big fremen enclaves where they all are yeah right that's what he's trying to do but yeah he has to go through like this big crazy sandstorm you know you just, like you're seeing everything they deal with on this planet you're like man this is a shithole <laughs> yeah. this place sucks you know you got because they mentioned like the um the sandstorms on this planet can like tear through metal yeah like, it's just it, ridiculous yeah it's like beating, it's like a mars storm yeah yeah it's like some uh, like crazy supercell sort of thing going on and then paul is becomes like one with the force and is able to get out mm-hmm. of it he had like some i feel like he broke through like this really big mental barrier in that like ship but i didn't really understand it like he just like go with the flow sort of thing and he like turns mm-hmm. the engines off and like flies with the sandstorm yeah yeah it was it's cool stuff and then they yeah. make it through that actually let's go back a little bit do you remember when they were digging out of their still when they had to dig out of the sand or whatever yeah yeah yeah. they had like some cool little setup inside of the dune that was cool do you remember the little mouse thing that was on top i remember it i don't remember what it was for okay then that's fine okay it's kind of important but i think it'll explain it in part two i'm one i can remember if they we're talk talked about it in the movie yet okay. but the importance because like you see that little i know it's importance because okay. you see the little mouse thing in like one of the the uh oh, oh like, like the, the animals he's, little animal like yeah, the little yeah. mouse yeah uh you see it when he's researching arrakis and you see it mm-hmm. again when he gets out of the yeah, yeah, yeah sand dune i was just wondering if you knew what that was about or if you just thought that was that was a cute little mouse i just thought that was some animals lunch later that's all i thought <laughs> okay okay good maybe are they like the elders of the planet or something <laughs> no 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 it's nothing that crazy it's it'll be explained i later. hate you man i am just I'm wondering so interested i feel like i need to know what's going on you could read the book i okay see i could but at the same time i kind of like 
having not read it whenever we watch because like you get your perspective and my perspective you know what i mean because like yeah because like i'm thinking in part two like you might just be like that was terrible i might be like i thought that was amazing you right. know like it could be totally different mm -hmm. I, I was just curious if you knew what that was about. uh dude well now i'm gonna be thinking about it because <laughs> you're not gonna i just thought it was like the little mouse like you know you're not oh, gonna you're not gonna be able to know until later okay if you, okay. you don't know now it's not something you can guess it's not like the mouse is behind it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mouse is the one controlling the empire the whole time. Yeah. Um. There's also uh in that little tent where like sees the mouse because like his journey with his mom is really interesting. This is also when he has like <laughs> like that vision of like his like, religious jihad, yeah. like leading the fremen to like commit genocide against the empire. Yeah. And he has like a panic attack. Mm-hmm. So that is also a huge part of the book, and like Paul has these visions throughout the book mm -hmm. which is another thing where it's like a huge theme you could say of the book is that paul is the chosen one yeah and he is seeing the future of where this chosen one being the chosen one takes him and he hates it mm. like he sees all this death and destruction ahead of him and he doesn't want it to happen and he's trying to do everything he can to not make it happen but also he doesn't want to like die right so that's one of the things where like he's navigating through these different different events and he can see different futures. He can kind of like see the results of his actions and he has to choose accordingly. Mm -hmm, exactly. That. And that's that's the whole it's like a theme in the book is battling against your own destiny and what it means. Yeah. Uh, Which I think is super compelling. I think yeah. it's really, really interesting because it's the whole like it's like a chosen one stereotype. But if what if your chosen one is to be Hitler or something? Yeah, exactly. Because like. I think the Benny Gesserit's idea of what Paul should be is very different than what Paul wants to be. Yeah, exactly. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's super, super cool. And part two can't come out soon enough. <laughs> it's going to be like four or five years, man. Yeah. So Paul has these visions of the future where it is like Atreides, mm -hmm. Atreides. Yeah, they're like waving these flags covered in blood as he and Zendaya look over their empire <laughs> risen yes. from the ashes of this, you know, like genocide against the empire, these crimes against humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, hmm, maybe he doesn't want that. Yeah, exactly. Because he's like freaking out because he's like seeing it as he's inhaling this dust because <laughs> the dust kind of triggers these visions of his. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like freaking out, like, like rocking from side to side in the tent. His mom's like, chill, you know, relax. Um, but it's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I talked to you about that I don't feel like they really portrayed in the movie was that like this, this gives me the impression that they're not going to do like all the books, if that makes sense. Mm. Because like, so in the movie, you get the impression that like, there's like a pile of burning bodies and you know, the Atreides flag or whatever, but in the book, I mean, we're talking about like million or billions of deaths. Yeah. Like this is like galactic upheaval into a new era. Essentially. Right. Right. And like, I, and I feel like uh, in the yeah, movie, yeah. it didn't really go in to like that. Mm -hmm. Like Paul seeing billions of dead that are his fault. essentially, mm, And gotcha. that's why he's having such a panic attack and everything is just yeah like, he is it's like it's like a hitler seeing everything he's done before the fact <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah in a way yeah but it's fine i think you get the yeah get i got the idea. idea tons of people are gonna die in paul's name in paul's name i cannot sure. wait and well, like one thing that you i know you loved was seeing paul's drip as the emperor and he's just standing above everyone yeah and he's Zendaya. got the cape billowing he's got his <laughs> and on his shoulders like yeah i'd follow him <laughs> 
I'd commit atrocities for that. <laughs> I'd do whatever that guy tells me to do. <laughs> you also see Paul, like, you just get a cool vision of Paul. Like, you see this guy, full suit of armor, carving through guys. Like, these people are not standing a chance. Helmet unfolds Ar- Iron Man style, and it's Daddy Paul. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell he's... You can tell this man is a changed man. Oh, he's yeah, He's killing baby. tons of people. It's so cool. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. that's the thing it's like this like the movie itself is so good and it gets you so excited for the stuff that's happening later mm-hmm. yeah so then we have paul and his mom essentially trying to make their way through the desert by mm-hmm. themselves because they're trying to find the fremen they're using the sand walk and all that that was another stuff. thing that i didn't know if they were going to add to yeah. the uh to the movie was like they had to do you have to walk in a specific way so that it doesn't attract a difference in the normal environment to the worms yeah because like, if you just clumped around they have to walk like non-rhythmically and like swaying a certain way to mm-hmm. kind of like create they were trying to like mimic the natural sounds like that are not monotonous you know right so like if you and i were out there we're dead yeah we're just clumping around you know <laughs> and then we die exactly yeah uh and one of the cool things that maybe we can get into more a little later but Paul, or no, it talks about it before because so Paul knows that these certain abilities of the Fremen that like Paul should not know, and it's because he can see the future of where he's been. So, for example, like when he put on the when he put on the, the uh, suit, the still suit, the still he, suit for he, water, he like hooked it up correctly, and the uh, uh, Kynes was, Kynes like, was like, How do you, how know, do you know how to do, do that? that? And he's like, I don't know, it just looked right. Yeah. Like, no, dude, you're, you're and like that's another piece of the prophecy yeah. is like he's from another planet and yet he knows our ways. Yeah, like no, nah, nah, Paul, you're the three-eyed raven. That's why you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like another thing is like sand walking, for example, is like something you have to learn, but he just knows how to do it. Um he saw the video though. He learned how to do it from the hollow projector. Like he it, it yeah. showed like instructions. Yeah, but if I told you how to do it, I don't think you could do it. No, probably not. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the idea. I'll give my boy Paul credit. He he saw it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's really cool because Paul knows all this stuff. He knows how they fight and everything. And so. it's blowing their minds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's blowing my mind. <laughs> how does he know to do that? That's so cool. So they finally meet up with the Fremen. And they mm-hmm. get with Stilgar. Yeah. Um, who's like one of their leaders. I'm so glad you know all these names because I don't. Yeah. Still, Stilgar? Stilgar is one cool. of the Fremen. That that was the guy who spit. At yeah, the Stilgar okay. was like the leader or one of the leaders, I guess. I don't know. The Fremen. Scale. different ways yeah so he meets up with them and they're they're like oh hey what's up and one of the people Jameis, is like okay let's kill these guys and take their water <laughs> because that's just how you do <laughs> things by, yeah that's like this is protocol <laughs> you're not fremen we're taking every drop of fluid in your body yeah. you know and so yeah because they're like hey what's up and Jameis is like oh that's crazy you're done <laughs> gg yeah i thought it was cool though because like they're just gonna they're basically just gonna squeeze these people dry for their fluids mm-hmm. uh and it's cool to see like paul and his mom are badasses and yes they don't let that shit well especially fly. his mom because you don't really get the whole thing with his mom so till the end when mm-hmm. like they try and fight her and she kicks their ass mm-hmm. is that like she's pretty powerful on her own yeah she's not just following paul yeah and she doesn't just have the voice like she can throw hands yeah exactly it's yeah, cool <clears throat> and so it's like a 2v8 or something like that. Yeah. And it's a stalemate, you know, which if I'm a friend and I'm feeling a little embarrassed. Yeah. And so Stilgar decides to give them mercy and have them join them because he's met them. He knows they're Atreides. Yeah. And Paul might be the chosen one. Yeah. So. Like this is, Paul is like, you're, 
version of the Messiah. Maybe you probably shouldn't ax him. him on sight. Yeah. Uh, but Jameis is not having it. He's like, can fuck you, this. This okay. is tradition. Okay. Oh, yeah. So can can you maybe shed some light on like Jameis's logic? Because still guard. Well, Jameis is an idiot. Okay. He's he's just like he's like impulsive and rash and like that's so so it was a Jameis thing not a culture thing because everyone else because stilgar and everyone else seemed like on board yeah so more of just like i'm trying to remember how it's specifically but it's it's more of like if they had met really anyone else they probably would have just taken their water or whatever um with like a few exceptions and usually it's up to their leader to make that call okay and so Jameis was just being an asshole, essentially. Okay. And he's also dumb in a way. Because, like, he was also saying something about, like, the the strong versus the strong. And so, like, I thought it was weird because, like, Jameis made it seem like the offense was coming from Stilgar because Stilgar made a weak decision. Yes. Um, yeah. But instead of fighting Stilgar because he didn't agree with his leadership to take over, he fought Paul who was fighting on behalf of his mom. Right. Because he um, can't fight the mom. Because he can't find the mom because she's a member of the Benny Jesuit. Yeah, and that's all. That's a, <laughs> yeah, unofficial. And, yeah, they got, they're playing with cheat codes. So <laughs> so he fights Paul. And I guess I didn't really understand, like, why are you trying to jump Paul or his mom? Why why wouldn't you fight Stilgar and then make that call after you beat Stilgar? I, I don't know. I didn't really understand. Yeah, like, I know logic. what you're talking about. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. Because it, it's not, it's a pretty small part. It's like it's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I, I get James it. being an idiot. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what it felt like. Being, so. Just like showing off wanting to be powerful and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember, it's just that Stilgar can beat his ass. Okay. I want to say that's what it is. And he's just the strongest okay. out of all of them. Anyway, Jameis is, Jameis is an idiot. So we'll just ride <laughs> He tries that. to fight the Messiah and he gets fucking yeah, worked. He, dude, I mean, if if like my version, if I'm on the side of the road and then Jesus Christ pulls up and I, I'm like, Okay, hands. Like, can you beat my ass right now? Let's go. Like, yeah. I'm losing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's basically what he does. And so he and Paul have this ritualistic fight with the um the Chris the Chris knives. Chris knives. And I so Zach said this was emphasized even more in the book, but I think they yeah. still like, I still got a good because I brought it up to you without you explaining it to me. Yeah. I was like, Jameis couldn't touch Paul. Yes. And like in the movie, it's just Jameis not being able to ever get a hand up on Paul. Like Paul's just in control the whole time. Mm-hmm. But you said like in the book, he literally doesn't touch Paul. No, not once. Yeah. And another thing that's interesting that's not really talked about in the movie was that like there's a bunch of stuff going on with this fight. And I mean, there's a lot to talk about. It's it's pretty huge when it comes mm-hmm. to the book because so Paul is in this moment in time where he can't see the future of where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it kind of does it in the movie because it shows him dying. It shows him dying. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. So Paul doesn't know what to do here to do the to make the right call. And he's essentially just doing it like everyone else. Um, so that's a big thing is that he can't recognize, he can't use his power of seeing the future or whatever to figure this out. Right. Um, another thing that I think is interesting is that Paul was always trained to fight with his shield. And now he's not. And so when he's fighting Jameis, he doesn't know how to do it because like if, if we were fighting and we didn't have shields, you'd be like, why are you slowing down at the last second right. instead of just finishing it? Mm-hmm. And so that combined with the fact that he's never killed anyone before, which they do talk about. Yeah. So the Fremen see Paul is like fucking with him 
essentially, and they take it as a yeah. huge offense. Oh, and it comes okay. down to the fact that Paul doesn't know how to fight this way. Yeah, and like that, but he's also untouchable. So it's like he's kind of learning mm-hmm. on the fly, but Jamie still can't touch him. Yeah, it's just another example of Paul is the chosen one and he's a beast. Yeah. But he still has a lot of things to learn. Mm-hmm. Like how to fight someone, which you think is basic, especially with his background. Yeah, but but it's totally like fight different. someone without a shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. And how to see the light go out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But Paul... I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was really compelling because uh because I think, oh, you got to remind me of the leader's name again. Stilgar. Stilgar is talking to his mom. He's like, why isn't he just killing him? And his mom's like, he's never killed anyone before. You could yeah. see like the concern in her eyes. Like, oh, this could be really bad. Yeah. That's another thing is that I'm glad you noticed that. Because like Paul's mom at the same time is like, she knows that Paul can beat anyone's ass. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know how this is going to go specifically. Because the whole shield thing mixed with him and his emotions and not being able to kill she's like, like yeah uh i might just watch paul die right here yeah <laughs> like, that's it's like big... twice in the same week <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know uh but yeah paul's a protagonist so that's not happening no and paul he... slits him up like a piece of cheese yeah it's great <laughs> you know it, it was a cool i thought it was a really cool fight yeah like the fighting style in this movie is really cool because it's really tight and controlled mm-hmm. it's not like wild game of thrones type of stuff yeah exactly it's cool it's it's unique and i appreciate like a like a universe that's kind of all tied to like there's a reason everything's happening mm-hmm. you know so paul kills him because mm-hmm. he's chad mm-hmm. and you know the situation is explained to stilgar so it's not an offense yeah it was more of yeah. a misunderstanding and now they're off on their way to go meet with the rest of the Fremen. Yeah. Oh, he also meets Zendaya in this group as well. Yeah. That's when it Yeah, is. he meets Zendaya. It's funny because he's like, um, Paul and his mom are fighting for their lives and Zendaya's like, what's up? She's <laughs> yeah. like normal Zendaya. The, literally, yeah. Zendaya doesn't ever play a character. She's just herself. I also like that Paul shows up and he's like, oh my God, this is like her? And yeah. And she's like, hello? She's like, hey, <laughs> what's up? You ready to commit some jihad? <laughs> yeah but so she doesn't even ah maybe this is a spoiler but she doesn't know no no one knows no Uh, one no one knows so she at this point in the movie has no connection to paul no she she doesn't even know that this is papa she's just a general ass fremen oh okay at this point okay cool so like they meet up and she's just like oh it's this guy he might be the messiah and Paul's like, I've been dreaming about you for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I already know you. I've been simping for years. Yeah, oh my god. Tom Holland's pissed. <laughs> but yeah, so they walk off and the movie's over. Yeah, and, and you get a cool shot of a dude riding a war in the background. <laughs> and that's that's when we cut to credits. Um, One, another big... It's a problem. And I don't know if they're going to do it in part two. But one of the another big things is like... So in this fight with Jameis, and Paul kills him, Paul cries. And it's considered an offense. No, it's considered like the greatest honor of all time. <laughs> because like that whole idea of giving your moisture for someone you have killed, like that doesn't even make sense. Like that's a totally foreign concept to them. Oh, because gotcha. like, why would you waste moisture like this? Yeah. After this guy tried to kill you. And like, if you cried for someone else, you would have to love them like so much as like one of your own, essentially. Oh. And they're and so then the Fremen are like, well shit, this guy this, might be this the, guy messiah. Is the messiah. Mm-hmm. That's another big thing that But you said you I mean, yeah, Zach's already spoiled part of part two for me, but you've like said the first ten minutes. You said that happens at the funeral and we haven't gotten there yet. 
so he might do it at the funeral. Yeah, maybe they could do that. But he also cries during the fight too. Oh, okay. It's like when when at the fight, it's like those eight people see it, and at the funeral, it's like from a homeland. ton of people see it. Oh, okay. so I'm guessing they'll save it for the funeral in part two. That makes mm-hmm. sense. But think. yeah, that's the movie. It was great. <laughs> it really was great. Like, I mean, not even getting into scores yet, but it was one of the best movies I've seen in years. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We didn't even talk about the soundtrack, which absolutely. I mean, bangs. it's Hans Zimmer. It's gonna bang. It's ev- there's nothing this movie, in my opinion, doesn't doesn't do phenomenally well. Yeah, everything is there. Like you go mm-hmm. and watch it, and you're like, wow. Um, that was just an incredible experience. Yeah, thank you. Where's part two? That's how I felt. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm like almost offended that they had to start a production on it already. <laughs> yeah. I like, know, how right? did you make this and not just immediately know it was a banger and just start the second movie because now I have to wait longer? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you better have Zendaya working in like a sweatshop getting this movie out for me because I need to know what happens next. Yeah, get her ass to work. It is so cool to see like a fresh new take on sci-fi that's not Star Wars because that ship is sank to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, that is it's gone. gone. You know, maybe we'll get some good, you know, Disney Plus shows. But other than that, Star Wars is done for the time being. Mm-hmm. And it's, ah, it just felt so good. I mean, acting's amazing. The visuals are incredible. I just think so many of the concepts are unique and interesting. And not they, I feel like they take concepts that are really hard to make look cool in a movie. And they just make them look even better than I thought they could have ever done. Yeah. You know, imagine if you tried to direct a film about the shields, like how would you even make that I, look? I don't even know what I'd start with. You said like, I doubt they're going to do that. Cause that'd be too hard, but they do it super well. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not only are they true to the book and all of the challenges that come with that. Cause like, it's easier to write about it than show it. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. And they, not only do they show it on our true, but they make it look good. Mm-hmm. You know? I just think it's incredible. Like every part of this is just like, this is the model that should be followed by every ambitious sci-fi movie. Like look at what Dune did and just take inspiration. Even I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, Oh, like imagine, uh, imagine if star Wars looked like this. Yeah. I'd be like, this is the best shit I've ever seen Mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. And And then, you know, it's like this, this, great style and sense of scale with with sci-fi that you're allowed to do like you literally do anything yeah and it's like when you watch something like star wars you're like well that was all right or it was pretty bad yeah but then i feel like with dune it's like all this potential is here Mm -hmm. and it's executed well and it's funny that you say that because how many star wars movies do we have like nine yeah right I feel like in this one two and a half hour movie, more like interesting sci-fi concepts were introduced than in all nine Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Every because... five minutes, every five minutes, they'd introduce something. I was like, "Wow, like that's crazy that someone thought of that. That is so interesting, and that changes everything." And then they just did it again in the next ten minutes. Yeah, and it's crazy that Dune came out 30, 20 or thirty years before Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's... some fucking old head was. Like seeing into the future. No, yeah, he's got to be like a time traveler or something. <laughs> like he's this was like a biography of like a guy who came back. In and time. that's well, that's the whole reason why people say Dune is one of the greatest books like ever mm-hmm. is because it's just so visionary. In yeah, a sense. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, ba- like I would just like step through everything in the movie and say that it's good, but like everything in the movie is good. I'm just gonna blanket statement: nothing in this movie is bad, in my opinion. Everything is incredible. Do you want to give ratings? Yeah, it sounds like you're at 10. Yeah, no, it's a 10 out of 10. It is a 
10 out of 10. <laughs> I think it is amazing. Like, uh, I'm glad to hear your thoughts and I'm glad you loved it. <laughs> yeah. And I know Zach's, I know Zach's is going to be lower, but at the same time, just like, I am a sucker for sci-fi though, is the thing. Oh, I am too. And That's like, the crazy it's part. It's like after a drought, it's <laughs> like a flood of fresh water. And yeah. so like, bro, you I felt even... like you were on Dune. Yes. <laughs> just yes. out here with a drop of water, trying to survive. And then you just get with a rainstorm. I haven't been excited by a movie in years, like to this level. Like mm -hmm. I see this, I'm like, dude. Where's part two? I wish I was a kid when this came out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it would have blown my balls it blown off. My <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would have been like, I don't even yeah. know what's going on. I'm an adult, and I'm like, this was amazing. And can you imagine being a kid seeing this? Like, I, so <laughs> I am a sucker for this stuff, but at the same time, I think everything is incredible. So I'm gonna give it a ten. No shame. I will die on that hill. I think that's a fun hill to die on. I'm giving this one a nine. Okay. I think because just because of the things that I've known from the book. And, and I figured seeing that's it translated yeah. is it's a little rough. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that gives it that it's just one point and it brings me down just a little bit. Okay. Is that from reading the book, I feel like one, a big thing is that Paul's emotional state and like his relationship with everyone else, I feel like is not explored as well as it should have been like, the way that he reacts to different situations. I feel like he's really impersonal. Mm -hmm. He's like an ice cold motherfucker. He's the chosen one. Yeah. And so in the book, he's way more, I, I think he's way more relatable. Okay. And I know that can be hard to do when you have this huge story and all these things going on. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to make Paul seem uh, more relatable. Like with the Jameis fight, it kind of, to me, watching it was just like, he had complete control of the situation and killed him and moved on. Yeah. But in like the book, it was this was a huge moment for him in his life, and like it took a lot. There was like a lot of time dedicated to how he thought about this mm -hmm. and how it made him feel. And um, another thing was like the mom's relationship with the dad. I mean, it was there and it was fine. It was like there was like one scene of it or whatever, and it, it didn't really explain like their love for each other and what they've done to like essentially like their love is a crime against the Benny Jesserit and everything. Mm -hmm. It didn't go into that or like their whole generational plan. Yeah. Which is fine because that that's the struggle is like, it's a movie and I don't want it to be four hours long. And you get like enough, like you get enough is like, I can't be mad. Like it's there. Yeah. And it's, like and they, um, you can tell they thought about it. Yeah. Which, yeah. which makes me love it. I'm like, at least you guys tried. Yeah. You know, um, I also think the ending is rough too. Like, I don't know if you felt like this, but I don't think it was a good place to end. I, See, I did. I thought, yeah, okay. I thought, and that's why I can't read the book because like you have this totally different perspective on it. Like, I don't know what alternate Paul in the book is like. I just know the Paul in front of me and I thought he was great, but maybe there's well, that's a better good. Paul who exists. Well, know? that was the interesting thing about seeing this with you. That was fun mm -hmm. is that you haven't read the book. So you really didn't know what you were getting yeah. into. I just told you there were big ass worms and some space fuckery. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So well, I'm just, I'm just glad that someone like you who has an interest in sci-fi, but doesn't really yeah. know what's going on, loved it. I remember like. I feel like after the movie, I was like scared to tell you what I think, and you were scared to hear what I thought because we both liked it. And yeah. I was like scared to be like, I thought that was amazing, and you were like, good, because <laughs> yes. it was. And I was like, yes, yeah, no, this movie really is amazing. But like, I know the what happens, so I know the plot events, and I feel like there was a better ending to, to land on because mm -hmm. to me, watching it is like 
you're watching it, you're watching it, and then it just ends. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, well, that was it? Yeah. That's kind of, and I get that it's a part one, but I feel like you could have your own solid movie here. And then this part two happens, you go into the stuff of part two. Okay. Um, yeah, having not read the book, like for me, the ending transition felt good. It felt mm-hmm. like, oh, we tackled all these hills, all these challenges. Now we're with the, um, now we're with the Fremen and we can go from there. And that's all in part two. So yeah. it felt natural to me. And that maybe- could just be a me thing. That could even like other people who've read the book might just be fine with it or whatever. But to me, I was just like, oh, well, that's it. Like, we're not going to get like, I, I, I kind of spoiled this, but like Jameis's funeral is another big thing that I thought they were going to end on. Because yeah. Them well, all basically proclaiming him as their Messiah. At yeah. The funeral might have so been like, place. he has achieved the status of Messiah with the Fremen essentially. Yeah. And so now you get to see, Paul at the beginning going through this prophecy. Now he's the Messiah. And now that he's in this point, like what is he going to do now? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I think that could have been equally as compelling. Yeah. And uh, not equally, it probably would have been better. <laughs> but again, like I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's another thing is like, yeah. you, you don't know the story or anything, but, and maybe I'd have a different point of view if I didn't read the book. Yeah. Nine out of 10 is still super good though. Mm-hmm. I could like, be argued to a 10. Yeah. I think that, the visuals are absolutely amazing. They're like wallpapers, like I said. It's actually like gorgeous. This was a movie where I was like, wow, we are in like 2021. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Cause you see, like you see some Marvel movie and the CG is good, but it's like, no, it's pretty, uh, yeah. that's not bad. I, I believe it. This one felt like this is the future of like movies. Yeah. In a sense. Can you imagine like watching that in like 2000? That's like, what I'm oh saying. Oh my God. You blow their balls off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're done. They're like, this is witchcraft. Yeah. This movie looks so good, and I'm—I know this is like the fallacy of living in your own generation, but like the movie looks so good. I'm like, dude, I bet I could watch this like 30 years later, and it's still gonna hold up. There's some movies that do like hold up the right. test of time. You know I think I, mean? I think this is one of them. I do too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, visuals fantastic. The story, it's it's got a lot of sauce, and I think they did great. Because again, I know all that happens, and I was like. Even me, if you asked me to try and make this movie, I'd be like, I don't fucking know where to start. Yeah. And I feel like they explained it well. And from hearing it from you, I feel like they did a good job to like an, a normie, you could say. Someone who doesn't <laughs> yeah, know the, yeah. the lore I am a normie. Yeah, I don't know the lore. Um, so that was great to see. They added all the cool tech stuff that I wanted to see. Uh, and they introduced it in cool ways. Like like we talked about at the beginning with the Mintats and stuff. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that. But I'm glad that they added it in. They didn't care if anyone even knew what was going on, but they put mm-hmm. it in there because yeah. it's like for fans like me, it was great. So uh, this isn't even a complaint. It's more of just like a cautionary, cautionary thing. But it's I could see like, so like I said, I'm, I didn't read the book, but I felt that I understood the concepts on the fundamental level because I'm like familiar with sci-fi because like mm-hmm. I read it and I, you know, play those games and watch those movies because it's like interesting to me. But if you're not interested in sci-fi and if you're not, then you probably wouldn't be watching this. But like as someone who maybe doesn't like know a lot of those kinds of concepts and stuff, I could see someone getting lost in this movie if they don't really like have some fundamental sci-fi ideas. Well, to me, that's one of the pros for the movie is like, yeah, you're in or you're out. I, and and I loved it. Yeah. It's not a complaint. Cause like I, whenever, whenever Mentats are doing their thing and space mosquito assassinators are doing their thing, <laughs> I'm like I I know what's happening. I like you don't have to explain it to me. I get it. So I'm glad you're not taking time away from this 
convoluted plot, you know, to mm -hmm. explain it. So I don't know, just something to think about. Yeah. So yeah, there's all that. The characters are pretty good. Um, it's hard I for me to relate to them because they kind of it's hard to do it in a movie yeah. like this. But they all make smart decisions and they're all thinking oh, yeah, on their I feet. saying that. Like everyone made decisions that made sense. They all make sense. Um the soundtrack absolutely slaps. I Hans Zimmer does it yet again. Oh, yeah, Hans Zimmer is amazing. And it's actually like if you I didn't it's it's so different from what he usually does to me. Like I I don't even know if I'd recognize it. Yeah, as it's Zimmer. like it's like raw. Like the soundtrack is really raw. It's like mm -hmm. the drums as they're running through these catacombs in the desert. You're like, Who, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, absolutely added to the movie. I think that's. I mean, that's talent though. That's like when you can adjust your yeah. style for the the context i mean that's absolutely that's the, that's the stroke I mean, of a master he's the goat he is the goat i mean yeah exactly um yeah just overall great stuff i think those are through a couple rough things and another thing is that i think if part two somehow ends up as a disaster fire it will it will hurt part one i totally agree because part one is set up for like part two essentially mm -hmm. dude that's why i hope they don't like do all the books because like i am super skeptical of like Series that are planned over a very long period of time because it I don't stre think stresses me out because I'm just like, if you fumble it somewhere later, then it could come back to bite you in the ass. Honestly, and... like in my opinion, the books fumble themselves later. Really? And they get, they get a little too wild for me. But, okay. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. Overall, strong recommendation. Absolutely. Really great. No. I think my skewed critical perspective from the book brings me down just a point. That's, I mean, 9 out of 10 is still amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, watch it. We need to funnel money into part two so it comes yeah. out sooner. We need to funnel Zendaya's paycheck so yeah. she shows up on set exactly. and gets to work. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, overall, great and super, super excited for part two. Yeah, I, I am too. I am. I, oh, God. I heard it was going to be like four years or something like that. Oh, I hope no not. Way. I hope not either. But anyway, guys, thanks for joining us on this ride. It was a wonderful time, and we'll see you in the next one. See you guys.